Welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. My name's Simon Hodgkins. Absolute pleasure to be joined by John Asperian today. John, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin asking you to introduce yourself. Tell us all about the work that you're involved in. So over to you, John. Nice one. Thank you for having me, Simon. Yes, I'm John Asperian. I am the relentlessly helpful LinkedIn nerd. That's the way I, I bill myself. Uh, I spent more than a decade as a copywriter and learned my trade kind of through LinkedIn. Uh, and now I've shared so many LinkedIn tips that people know me more for that. And so I've become a LinkedIn consultant and I run my own community for small business owners called Espresso Plus. So LinkedIn consultancy and community support is what I'm all about. And Espresso Plus is such a great name for a community, isn't it? Um... We certainly need boost of espresso now and again. Yes, I bill it as um, kind of a small shot of digital caffeine. It started as a mailing list and it's grown to, well, lots of different things. I like that. But let's go back a little bit. So it was originally the copywriting, right? That was sort of the first draw, the the, the writing, the copy, uh, the content, all the good stuff. Um, and I know that you were, what, Chartered Institute editing and, and proofreading as well? That's right. Yes. Well, it used to be called the Society for Editors and Proofreaders, and I was yeah. a director of that society yeah. for some years. Um, so I've got an editorial background and writing was my transferable skill when I when I was made redundant from a testing and quality assurance job. So, yes, that was back in 2009, and I, I've been doing that ever since. But uh, it became um, a less fulfilling job because so much of my work had to be done under non-disclosure agreements. So I was working for all these big corporates, but I couldn't tell anyone who they were or what I was doing. And so it became rather frustrating and, and therefore I'm now moved towards working with small business owners and I can shout all about them because they're happy for, <laughs> they're happy for a bit of public attention and it's, a, it's just a different vibe and much more fulfilling. Thanks, John. And, you know, speaking to people that have worked with you, that know you, um, that say good things about the work that you do, um, it's obvious that people need a little bit of a helping hand with LinkedIn because the LinkedIn today isn't necessarily the product that it was only a few short years ago. It changes an awful lot. Yes. It now has a, a social audio element to it as well. Uh, and people use it for lots of different reasons, I suppose. And you can correct me on this, but I suppose when I first got involved in it, it was more like a, almost just like somewhere to put your CV, your profile kind of thing. You know, it was this sort of online Rolodex of people that maybe you knew. Today, it's much more than that, isn't it? And my question really is around what's the, the type of work that you do with these small business owners or these people that are looking to use, I suppose, LinkedIn on an individual level to really help either themselves or their business? What's what's sort of the, the mainstay of the work today, John? It is all about building a personal brand and using ethical tactics to gain more online visibility so that you build a network of people who will refer you or will hire you directly. So I work with service providers in the main. And yes, there is a long standing perception that it is just a glorified jobs board or somewhere that you go when you're in desperation mode because you've just been sacked. But actually, LinkedIn has now the features that make it a fully fledged social media platform you know you can post short form long form you can post video there's live video there's live audio there's direct messages actually the direct messages are really really powerful feature and there's a search 
that lets you tap into the world's largest professional networking event, which is LinkedIn. So um, actually, you can make friendships there. And because it's not an anonymous platform, unlike something like Twitter, for example, the, the, the quality of the discussion tends to be more, um, you know, at a higher level because people basically identify themselves and maybe their boss is watching. So um, people are a bit more thoughtful with their discussions and I, I find it a really nourishing place to be. Yeah, and have you seen, I mean, LinkedIn originally was sort of a standalone organization, then it was kind of acquired by Microsoft. Yes. But it still thrives very well today. And sometimes that doesn't happen when a huge company like a Microsoft uh, buy them. Sometimes these companies kind of disappear, but it seems to be working well in the LinkedIn world, doesn't it? It does. And Microsoft made a smart decision when they bought LinkedIn in 2016, that they had quite a hands-off approach to the management of the platform. And a lot of speculators were saying, well, we're going to see some immediate integrations with Microsoft's CRM and stuff or, or something with the Office suite. That's slowly starting to happen. But in the main, the LinkedIn team have been allowed to develop as, as they probably would have anyway. We are now starting to see things like an increasing integration of AI components because obviously LinkedIn's parent company, Microsoft, has got a very large share in open AI. So we've got the whole chat GPT thing happening. But in the main, uh, development is, 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 is running as if LinkedIn were an independent company and growth has been good. Uh, new results as we record this are coming out in a few days time. So I expect us to go up to about 925 million members or so. And we're seeing more and more content creators coming to the platform that that really accelerated during the pandemic when uh, people needed a place to, to to find solace when when work, the, the whole working world completely changed. Uh, and now people are becoming I think quite disillusioned with some other social platforms, lack of reach, maybe some ethical concerns. Uh, and LinkedIn is kind of the most trusted uh, social network. So it might not be the biggest, but it's something that's going to have most longevity and probably most long term trust. So it's a really powerful place to build a presence. Yeah, I think it's a great observation, John, because I mean, I think of Facebook or Meta, uh, as we sort of term the company today, the organization and the big betting the farm on the metaverse and then all of a sudden having to really get into ai a little bit more than they thought um and of course twitter with elon musk and the ownership and the that's been through quite a uh, quite a, an unusual uh ride over the last sort of 12 months or more at this stage uh, and continues to do so do you think that drove or continues to drive users to linkedin i think it does i think a lot of people have abandoned twitter I think that the, the bigger influx has probably been from the Instagram generation who have seen, I think, a reduction in reach. I'm not an Instagram person, but I know that a lot of content creators have come over from there. Uh, and we're even now starting to see people who are creating content on TikTok and then repurposing it on LinkedIn. So not only are the numbers of people on the platform increasing, but the the likelihood that someone who comes to the platform will already be a content creator is higher than ever before. And therefore, we're starting to see a lot more content in the feed in LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is playing to that because it wants to maximize session time. So it's created a couple of years ago with this thing called creator mode, whereby all the cool trendy features come to people with that creator mode feature enabled. And that that 
that really encourages more and more content creation. So it's it's serving LinkedIn's needs. And I always say, if you're in doubt, follow the money. You know, what's going to help LinkedIn achieve their financial goals? If you do that thing, uh, that will probably help you get more visibility on the platform. Thank you, John. And coming back to the question about the businesses that you work with, mm-hmm. are there some trends or obvious mistakes that people make when they're trying to utilize LinkedIn? Is there some uh, obvious sort of, no, don't do this, do that? Is there some things that you see all the time? Yeah, I mean, there's this long-standing retreat to formality on that on that platform. So people aren't sure what to do. And so they'd rather maybe remain silent or write their profile in the third person as if they were talking about some disembodied person um, and don't really reveal anything of themselves. But increasingly, and particularly in the last three years, uh, there's been an increase in people sharing authentic stories about you know their struggles at work or maybe their struggles with mental health and all sorts of things where People are resonating with that and not expecting Hollywood level production. So people can go live in a video, uh, you know, standing in a field. It doesn't really matter so long as the content, the message stands up to scrutiny. Uh, And so I think there's a there's a kind of loosening of the tie if you will. It's not quite a a stuffy shirt and tie environment anymore. And the people who are out there and just saying it like it is and using their everyday language and telling real stories tend to be getting the best results. So my my advice to a lot of people is um, find a safe space where you can practice your craft um, and then start putting yourself out there. It can be scary at first, you know, a platform with more than 900 million members it can be scary to put yourself out there but if you can find small groups or accountability partners where you can maybe practice voice notes and videos and and you know telling little stories and and just getting the confidence to put yourself out there the more you do uh, the the better the results you get and keep in mind that despite that many people being on the platform only about five percent of LinkedIn's users are regular content creators so the opportunity to dominate your niche is still there even in 2023 and and no doubt that will diminish over time but if you don't start now i think you're missing an opportunity and maybe in three years time you won't be able to build that brand in the same way that you can right now yeah that's a very interesting statistic isn't it and i suppose it talks back to one of the things you said at the top which was about people using it to help their own personal brand as well yeah there still seems to be and you know with the even with that huge user base that they have there's still quite a lot of people i suppose in social media parlance who call it lurking or just watching and reading not necessarily contributing content um but still finding it to be a useful platform and there is that opportunity now as you say uh with obviously the right uh, guidance and and some good advice to actually really make a make a, a an impact with it and to get that reach where some of maybe some of the other platforms where people I, I know quite a lot of content creators who over the last year or so have spent a lot of time with short form video mm-hmm. uh, and it's actually really feeding the the company's algorithm I'm not talking about LinkedIn now I'm talking about other sites where it's kind of doing more benefit for that organization than the individual themselves and they're getting a little bit frustrated that some of that stuff isn't really having the desired effect and Maybe on LinkedIn, and you know, I'd be interested in your thoughts here. It kind of lends itself a little bit more to slightly longer form content when it comes to uh, whether you're going live or whether you're writing an actual article versus a post. 
Yeah, so a couple of things here. Um, if you're writing an article or now a newsletter, which is an article in disguise with a subscription component to it, that is definitely set up for long form content and it's set up for discoverability on Google because all articles and newsletters are indexed. And I found that even though I publish content on my own website, I'm much more likely to be found for the same content that's been syndicated onto a LinkedIn newsletter. Uh, so there's definitely a potential for searchability SEO benefit of producing long form content. That said, um, increasingly short form content is now performing well on LinkedIn. So very, very short videos. And, and LinkedIn last year revealed that more than 70% of their traffic now comes from mobile devices, which means that if you're writing posts, you should try and get your hook in very, very quickly. If you're sharing videos, you should get your hook in very, very quickly. So it's the same kind of thing that you would say for someone who is trying to build a, a presence on TikTok, for example. Um, so optimize for the mobile viewer. Uh, LinkedIn is not a desktop platform primarily anymore, and that trend is likely to continue towards mobile. But it has this nice feature where if you, if you do want to really stretch your legs and go for long-form content articles, and particularly newsletters, are very, very effective. I would also always recommend as well that people look at document posts, which is where you write a normal post on LinkedIn, but you can attach to it a PDF or a Word document or a PowerPoint, and that will then act like a slideshow. Those pieces of content for me have consistently got something like between 40 and 60% more visibility than every other type of content I've done. And I've been measuring that for the past five years. So that's not just a blip. Um, document posts are really very, very effective on LinkedIn. People seem to like them and they work really well on mobile as well. So they cover the best of both worlds and they're great for visibility. But if I were to give you one tip for visibility on LinkedIn, it's to utilize the power of comments. So whereas on something like Twitter, a retweet is the most powerful engagement metric. On, on uh, TikTok, it might be re-watching something or reposting something. But on LinkedIn, if you really want to get your visibility up and to improve the visibility of other people's content, a long, thoughtful comment is the number one way to do it. First of all, it supports the visibility of the post. Secondly, it helps you get exposed to people in your second and third line networks who would never have come across you before. But if you comment in the right spots and say something thoughtful, that will probably get you some attention and clicks through to your profile. So commenting is a kind of low stakes way of creating content without having to set the agenda of your own post. So it's a great stepping stone towards becoming a fully fledged content creator. I think that's wonderful. And thanks for sharing that advice, John, because I know a lot of our people watching this and, and listening to this around the world will find that particularly helpful. Uh, I particularly like the document post where you attach that PDF because it is it sort of allows you to get more content in, but it doesn't make it very long winded. You can kind of swipe through it. It plays very nice. Mm. Uh, I really like that. And yes, I, I, the, the, the commenting and getting you that further reach that you were talking about earlier, you know, people in the second or third level of con uh, connection to you, um, you're kind of reaching them, whereas you're not. And the other thing that I found really interesting that you were saying earlier is that some of your articles, you know, over the last five years, since you've been measuring this, have got more propensity to show up in Google search 
uh, through a an article or a newsletter in LinkedIn, which is quite staggering, really, when you think about it. Um, it. It is, but if you think about LinkedIn's domain authority, which is nearly 100, so it's a score out of 100 that ranks how trustworthy uh, a domain, a website domain is, then LinkedIn is always going to outrank little old John experience. So even though the content may have originated from my website, um, it is still more findable for the same keywords on LinkedIn. And whenever my content gets shared on LinkedIn, it tends to be people sharing the LinkedIn article or newsletter version of it rather than the original. And the original actually looks nicer because I've got full formatting controls. But what's more findable is the LinkedIn version. So if you're not, if you're creating content for your website and not syndicating it to LinkedIn, you're definitely missing a trick because you've done, you've already done the creative endeavor of coming up with the idea and writing the content, maybe shooting a video. Why not republish that on other platforms? And LinkedIn is is the ideal place to do it. Um, I, I really encourage people to think about doing that. Yeah, thank you, John. That's very insightful. Um... Now, the last thing I want to ask you before, I do want to move on to a few other questions, uh, but I want to ask you something about growing community too, because we've talked a little bit about, you know, your own personal brand and working with businesses, but you also have this community that we touched on. Um, how do you go? How did you go about building that community? What does that community look like today? What do you use it for? And, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit to the power of community, because I recently spoke to Mark Schaefer, who I'm sure you know, and uh, Mark's book is all about community at the moment, mm. at least his last, I think his 10th book, if not his 11th book. Um, but tell us a little bit more about Expresso Plus and the community, why you started it and what happens there. Yeah, it was a bit of an organic experiment. I used to run a mailing list that was called Espresso, and I was having lots of interesting conversations with my subscribers, but I was realizing that I was the hub of that, but no one else could see what those interesting conversations were. It was a series of serial one-to-one -one conversations. And so I thought, I need to put these people all together so we can get into a virtual room. And that prompted me to create a LinkedIn group. I've always not been a fan of Facebook. And I thought, well, I, I talk mostly about LinkedIn. It, it makes sense to put this on LinkedIn. So I did that. And that that was a free group. It lasted only a few months because it quickly grew to about 650 members. And, and it completely took over my life. I mean, I didn't have time to do anything else. So I realized at that point that I'd either have to scrap this little project or I'd have to monetize it. I chose the latter. And at the start of 2022, we went live with the Espresso Plus community, which was not just a discussion group, but also a video library and a podcast and a members map and a mailing list. So it's a few things drawn together. And uh, we, we got more than 100 signups on the first day, which was fantastic. But that came about really, I think, because of the social credit that I'd built up in the past five years of posting pretty much every day on LinkedIn. So I, I don't think you can just wander in and say, I'm going to start a community today. You, you need to have a level of trust for people to opt in to, to, a, to, a, paid, uh, to, to a paid community. And that community, I think, buffers me to some extent against whatever the algorithms are doing because we have a private space where people are tuned in to what each other is talking about so what's going out in the wilds of linkedin is kind of irrelevant because we have this protected space where people get to know each other form relationships even work together and specifically look out for each other's content um, and that that's that's been working well so I, it's an ongoing learning support accountability 
uh, environment where, you know, I'll teach people how LinkedIn works. We'll have little challenges, for example, go and create your profile video this month or go and record an audio uh, description or go and create a document post. And then we'll have get togethers on Zoom, you know, Q&As and, and content reviews and so forth. So it's been really fulfilling and it's taken up so much of my time that I had to give up the copywriting, but I'm, I'm not sad about that because as I said earlier, it, it ended up becoming a bit of a hollow venture because I, I can never talk about it and, and, um, and, and now I can. So that's, it's good. Very good. Thank you, John. Um, and from community, then you obviously, you share a lot of information in your community. You share things mm -hmm. on LinkedIn all the time. But you also have the content DNA book. I know yes, I saw right. an audio version too. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book, because a few people I've spoke to recently have really <laughs> raved about the book. They find it to be an invaluable resource. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. Um, you've already mentioned Mark Schaefer, and he actually wrote the foreword for that book. And, and the genesis of the idea for that book really indirectly came from him because we were on stage together at a conference in Scotland in 2017 and he asked me a, an unplanned question he said how are you going to remain relevant in a market full of options and without thinking I said well I'm going to create relentlessly helpful content and that moment was caught on camera uh, and that moment stuck with me and, and I realized that that actually was the kernel of my personal brand that I'd never voiced it before never thought about it in those terms and when I went away and reflected on it I thought well I've, I've come up with this by, by accident and it seems to really work because people like it and they're saying it back to me but other people shouldn't have to rely on that kind of luck so what is it in the DNA of us as business owners that needs to come out to express ourselves in a way that helps us be noticed and remembered and preferred. And, and as I say, that was the genesis of the idea. I worked on it for a couple of years and it was published in April, 2020. So just as the whole world was going into lockdown, uh, I had to miss my, my, my book launch didn't happen because of that, but yeah, content DNA has been out there for three years now. And it's, um, it's all about building a personal brand and creating content. So it goes beyond the scope of LinkedIn, but you could apply it to LinkedIn and, and Mark's been a, a, a key part of, you know, that my journey and all of that. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that little story, John. That's great. Uh, and obviously people can check that out. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about your website and stuff. Uh, a little bit later on, but uh, a great resource and very well, very highly regarded and recommended. Um, the other thing I want to ask you as well is I want to ask you a little bit about your own learning style because LinkedIn is changing all the time. Social media is changing all the time. Yeah. How do you keep abreast of what's happening? How do you keep your finger on the pulse? What are you reading? What are you learning? Are you audiobooks, podcasts, talking to people? Are you scouring LinkedIn every day for the latest updates? How does it work, John? I'm kind of doing all of that, I would say. Um, you, there's no one person who could stay on top of all of the changes that are happening on LinkedIn. Uh, one of my colleagues, Kevin D. Turner, is probably the most tapped into new features. And I think he's documented recently that there have been something like 75 new features in 2023 alone and we're only in the fourth month <laughs> so it's quite incredible how how that's you know that the pace of change is really too much for one person to keep up with so we have a cohort of of linkedin trainers around the world who keep a cl close eye on on these things and report them to each other it's a very collegiate atmosphere between trainers also i'm fortunate that espresso plus is made up of 30 percent 
LinkedIn specialists. So we're all in, you know, tuned to helping each other learn the best practices. Uh, in terms of my own learning style, I'm all about listening. So, so I'm never far away from a podcast or from an audio book or from listening on YouTube. I'm, I'm actually one of those rare YouTube premium uh, subscribers because it means that I can treat YouTube as if it's a podcast and have my screen turned off and download content and just listen to it on the go. Um, so yes, I, I'm an avid uh, learner through podcasts and things like, for example, the marketing book podcast by my friend Doug Burdett in the USA. He's done, I don't know, 300 plus episodes, I think. Um, and, you know, interview interviews a different marketing author every every week so that's a fantastic learning resource but yes all about listening for me yeah that's great and uh i i too would be a fan of uh, the premium youtube i know there's not many of us out there uh, or i think maybe to put it a better way i think youtube would like a few more of us but um i i think it's a completely different experience and um it's very hard to go back to not uh, having the ad rolls every time, yeah. you know, and it, it's just a completely different user experience, I find. And, it uh, is. I, I, I know, consume I know so it's a little much... bit price prohibitive for people, though, you know, sometimes, but... Um... True, but the, I mean, I, I consume so much content on YouTube that it, it's a, really is a no-brainer. It's more valuable to me than something like Netflix, and it's a comparable price. Uh, and yet I can download hour-long episodes or much, much longer and never have to worry about seeing an ad. And you can listen to it offline, which is fantastic. So I, I highly recommend giving it a try. Yeah, no, 100%, I agree. And I I read in with interest the, the latest... Uh, uh, podcast uh, reports coming out of the states was it's a really large growing segment for podcasts mm -hmm. obviously something yeah. i'm interested in mm. uh, to do exactly what you're saying people aren't necessarily watching it all the time but they're listening to more and more audio through youtube which is quite an interesting growth curve uh, that we're seeing and of course there's an awful lot of content creators there um the other thing i wanted to ask you is about people that maybe have given you a hand a helping hand along the way, people that you admire, people that uh, might be people in your community. Um, but, you know, when you think about it, and I ask you that question, is there anybody in particular or a group of people that spring to mind? Or is it really a, a personal character trait of somebody that, that you're sort of drawn to? Well, I, I've learned lots from the some of the big marketing authors, and I've already mentioned Mark Schaefer, so I'm not going to wax lyrical again about him, but people like him, uh, Anne Handley, Marcus Sheridan, the people who've written some of the greatest marketing books, Seth Godin, um, my favorite book, which I suppose isn't in the marketing category, but it absolutely can be used for that purpose is Dr. Robert Cialdini's Influence, which was written in 1984. And I think everyone on the planet should read that book. It's just absolute goldmine of information about how humans behave and how you can you can use that to your advantage so long as you do it in an ethical way. Um, but loads of members of my community have really helped me along the steps of the way. And I've got other community managers who are in my community. So one of my friends, Mark Masters, is, is one of my members, but is also running his own community and has invited me to speak next week at his annual conference. So, you know, people like that, you just, you can't do it without community. You can't do these things on your own. So however well-read you might be, you, you need the support of others along the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm grateful to all of those people. Thanks, John. And uh, I suppose just talking about advice as well, 
Um, you've obviously transitioned from this world of copywriting, although you're still writing great copy. I don't mean it in that sense, but you've you've kind of changed. Your business has changed. The way yeah. you the way you work has changed. Um, has there been some good advice you've picked up along the way, or is there advice that you often find yourself repeating to people that you could maybe share with our audience today? Yeah, I think um, you mentioned Marcus Sheridan, and one of the things he says is to is to aim at becoming the Wikipedia of your industry. In other words, to put out content that answers every imaginable question that someone might have about whatever your specialism is, so that when people search for answers, they find you. And whenever think, people think about who would know the answer to this question, if they don't know about you, someone else might say, I, I bet so-and-so has done a video about that. And to try and dominate your niche, uh, Mark Schaefer also calls it content shock. Um, so if you if you can put out as much helpful content that answers real people's questions, so not just imagine stuff, but go and talk to people, look in your email inbox and sent items folder, look at what you're actually answering day to day for whatever your specialism is. And keep in mind that you are the expert and the person asking the question almost certainly won't know as much as about you as, as that on that topic. And therefore, things that feel simple to you might feel revelatory to that person who, who you're sharing with. And I've lost count of the number of times people said, oh, I never knew that about LinkedIn. And I think I've shared this 20 times before and I've been here for years doing this. And yet someone new has discovered this thing and found it really insightful. Um, so so never underestimate your power to, to help people, even with very, very simple content. And if you take that attitude of being that teacher, uh, and putting out helpful content, then then if you do it for long enough, that's the other challenge because so many people get disenfranchised and, and they disenchanted along the way and they give up after three months. But if you do it for years and years, you build up a body of work the same way that you're doing with your podcast, you know, um, and, and ultimately you'll be seen as the person who's who's trustworthy and, and that you will be able to cash out on that at some point. Yeah, very wise, John. Thanks very much for sharing that. That's that's uh, great advice for people. Um, and look, as we come sort of almost to the end, uh, I want to squeeze in two quick questions. One is how you go about planning what you're doing next, because you're all, you know, we're all busy in today's world. What does the next sort of six, 12 months look like for you? Is there anything on the horizon that you're working on or looking forward to doing? And secondly, and importantly, if people want to connect with you and reach out, I'm assuming LinkedIn is a given, but where's the best place to point people to? Yes. So what am I working on at the moment? Well, I did my first ever in-person event last month, which was an, just a completely new experience for me. And I'd like to do more of those so I can actually shake hands with the people who are in my membership. That, that's a lovely feeling. You know, being on Zoom is great, but actually going and meeting people who you already know a little bit beforehand, not just uh, going into a room full of suits that you've never heard of, uh, is a wonderful feeling. So I'd like to do more of that and possibly even look towards building my own mini conference if possible. Uh, I'm working on a second book which um, I will be sharing the draft of inside the community so that community members have a chance to steer the development of the book and also, if they wish, to contribute to the authoring of the book. So that's a bit of an idea I've stolen from Mark Schaefer because I know that he's about to release the uh, the world's most amazing marketing book, which was like, uh, I don't know how many people worked on that, 30 or 40 or something. Um, 
so yes i'm working towards those things and also just trying to keep espresso plus uh, as a going concern and trying to build that membership I've, I've decided to keep numbers limited to only 300 people so that i can manage things myself um so that's my main concern at the moment and uh, if people want to look me up so long as you can spell my surname then a google search will find my website and find my linkedin presence but linkedin is where i'm most active and if you go and read my profile uh, you'll see that I ask people to personalize their invite to me and include my secret word in their invitation message. So that's a that's a, an encouragement to you to go and check out my about statement and find out what that secret word is and say, you, you heard me on Simon's podcast and I, now I'd like to connect um, and I'd love to chat. I love that. That's great, John. And what a great, what a great note to end on. So thanks so much indeed for being a guest on the global discussion. Thank you to everybody around the world who's been watching and listening to this episode. Make sure that you follow, like, subscribe, do everything I need you to do to help support the podcast. And uh, hopefully you'll join me back here for some more discussions with creatives and leaders and thinkers. But thank you, John. Real pleasure to catch up with you today, my friend. More than welcome. Thanks a lot, Simon. Cheers. <laughs>